Welcome to the Rounds to Residency podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, get clinical rotation advice and tips to prepare for your externships and residency in healthcare. We interview preceptors and physician educators who will prepare you for your rotation and improve your clinical experience. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Welcome back. I have a great interview for you today. I'm bringing to you a friend, a colleague, a co-author, and fellow podcaster. I bring you Greg Rodden, who is also a tutor and oh, so many other things. So I'm going to just pass it over to you, Greg. What is it that you do? And give the audience a little bit about yourself. So what exactly do you do around here? I don't know if you watch <laughs> Office Space. It's great to be back hanging out with you, Chase. Although I feel like we chat all the time. So, not enough. Yeah. 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 Definitely not enough. Yeah. I'm a second year resident now uh, in Austin, Texas, doing pediatrics program. Uh, and on some of my downtime, I like to do some tutoring because I really enjoy that. So, I work with a pretty cool company called Med School Coach. I feel like I have to say that I'm like an ex-podcaster now because I really haven't done a podcast in a long time. There was a time in my life when I did a lot more podcasting, physiology program called Med School Fizz. And what else takes up my time? I have an adorable dog. My wife is awesome. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been in the podcasting realm as a host, but that's understandable during residency. And I have a strong feeling you're going to get back into it once you have a little more time on your hands. Yeah, it really is like just such an enjoyable experience to chat with people who you're interested by and friends with and can learn from. I mean, it's a great experience and it's also a great experience to produce products that you know, help to teach people valuable stuff at the same time. My little niche for a while was in like hardcore basic science for first and second year medical students. But we'll see if that niche evolves in the future. Yeah, physiology is not a simple concept. It's something that a lot of students struggle with. And I know you had like really great reviews. I think the first week or two you came out, you were on a bunch of hit list for a really popular podcast in the aspect of medical education. So I think you did great work. I know you spent a lot of time on every episode and you brought a lot of value to your audience. Yeah, well, thanks a bunch. It was a great time and I definitely do think that I'll end up getting back into something. Nowadays, it's a little more in the realm of writing, which is something else that I really enjoy. And as you know, you and I wrote a book together that was definitely a labor of love and took a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears to put together. And we have additional projects that we're working on and getting underway. Yeah. All right. Selfless plug. Read this before medical school was our book. And we have an entire series coming out. We have the pharmacy one that just came out. We have a nursing one coming out. We have a veterinary medicine one coming out, possibly some others. We got a whole series based on just everything that we've learned over our years, everything we've learned from our interviews and just a lot of great material in general. So, yep, selfless plug, gonna do it. <laughs> so you're in Texas right now, and just because the time that it is, we just had this huge frost 
go by, I have to ask you, you know, what's the situation? What's going on? So thankfully things are really on the upswing now, but it was getting scary for a few days last week between losing power in a huge, basically across the entire state because of semi unforeseen circumstances by the power company that decided to remain separate from the rest of the United States power grid, as well as losing water at the same time makes for a pretty scary environment. And especially when you also have hospitals losing water, like how do you wash your hands? How do people go to the bathroom? That was a rough experience being in the hospital at that time, but we muddled our way through it and the best that we could. And thankfully everyone was really understanding with just how crazy freak scenario that really was. It was a truly a freak storm, but we are on the upswing. Well, I'm glad you, your wife and your dog are safe. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's been interesting in the news for sure. And I don't know if you can talk about this or not, but I got to ask about the kitty litter. I, you know, to be honest, I'll let the audience use their imagination. All right. Fair enough. You can go research it. I'm sure just Google kitty litter, Texas storm, maybe. I don't know. But (laughs) as we get into the topics of today's discussion, and we have so many, this might go into two episodes. We'll see. I mean, the first one is we're getting into residency season here and you know, the interviews are over, but a lot of people are still curious about the situation ahead of them. And I don't remember if soaps happen yet or not, but we can definitely help to guide the audience into what to look for, whether you're applying this year or next year or in the future. And one of the first topics I think we were going to discuss here was just kind of going from the transition point from fourth year into residency. And there's a lot of things that you have to consider there. And one of the big ones is the USMLE, obviously. Yes, you generally take the step one in third year, and then step two, depending on what school you go to, might be in fourth year. But there's also two step twos. There's the CK and the CS. And we have CS apparently is going away now, and step one's going past fail. I mean, there's a lot of things here to consider as a student. How are you going to really stand out? And what are some of the considerations that maybe students should be thinking about regarding the step exams right now? Sure, sure. I mean, in general, and this is, you know, no duh advice, but in general, you should be trying to do the absolute best that you can on every single one of your steps. You're studying not just for a task, but you're also studying so you can really know what's going on with your patients in the future. Will all of it apply to your future career? No, not necessarily. But everyone needs to have that foundation of knowledge to move forward in medicine. And so you have to put your best foot forward with every single one of your step exams. I am honestly really glad to see that the CS, at least for now, is on pause or maybe going away indefinitely, as well as the COMLEX exam, the PE, is also on pause, uh, at least, if not going away indefinitely, because in my opinion, those exams did not demonstrate much value when I took them. 
felt like a big song and dance. It felt like they didn't trust our medical schools to be able to teach us to perform physical exams and to interview patients. And it kind of just felt like a money grab, to be honest. And that's what a lot of people say. But as far as the fourth years who have now submitted their rank lists and are basically just waiting on the match, this is a really special time. And I would soak up every moment of free time doing anything and everything that you love to do in this time. In residency, uh, you work hard and you work a lot and you do a lot of work that you don't necessarily want to do, especially once you've figured out kind of which direction you want to go into. But right now you have this block of really kind of protected time where you just kind of show up for your rotations. You learn as much as you can while you're on them. But there's a lot less pressure on you to, you know, perform at your highest level. And so you can really just enjoy. Obviously, with COVID, that is complicated because it limits your options. But, you know, at this point, we're almost a year into this COVID craziness. And so people have figured out, you know, ways that they can and like to have fun in this time that we're in. Yeah. And maybe this is time for another selfless plug, but or selfish plug. For those looking for clinical rotations, we actually have a rotation platform that's now embedded testing. So should be out soon to the public, but finderotation.com is a place where a lot of students now can go and find rotations outside of what their school's normal network is. So it's basically like Airbnb for rotations. It just gives a lot more options in a lot more states and a lot more variations than might be available there. So just throwing that out there because, yeah, like we said, so many students need more clinical experience. And a lot of times they can't get it in their local hospitals. They're restricted in their hospitals due to safety concerns. But there are other options out there. There's telerotations, there's private clinics, which you're not going to get the same experience, but it's better hands on experience than just sitting at home and not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. So, yeah, I mean, Seeking out rotations that you might be interested in, seeking out electives that you might be interested in and that your school will let you do is is a good idea if that's still an option for you. Sometimes the schedules are set way in advance, but if you're able to do that, I would would certainly take advantage of that option because you have to do a certain number of rotations. You might as well do stuff that you're you're interested in. Um, And so... My earlier comments like focused a lot on, you know, doing the things that make you happy, going out to dinners and hanging out with your friends during the week and as well as on the weekends and that kind of stuff. But, you know, you can't spend all of your time doing that. Certainly in the early period of, you know, the second half of your fourth year, you have this big weight lifted off of your shoulders. You've submitted your rank list and, you know, you're still waiting to hear whether you match, but, you know, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to match. The the odds are in your favor. I actually recently looked up the numbers and the overall match rates for PGY1. It was like 94% for US MDs, 91% for DOs, and 61% for international medical graduates. Obviously, those are, you know, gross numbers. And if you really want to drill down into your own unique situation, you can look in the NRMP data to get a better sense of what was going on there. But so you can't spend all of your time celebrating. And so alternatively, 
you can also use this time to build yourself up in ways that you might want to do in preparation for residency. So some things that I think could be helpful are prior to starting residency, I went through the online med ed intern boot camp. And I thought that that was really helpful for anyone who's doing like, whether it's internal medicine or pediatrics or family medicine, you know, one of those primary care types of specialties, that would be pretty helpful. I'm not sure, you know, what other products they have out now. I would certainly endorse basically anything that online med ed uh, puts out there. That's great to know. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about their intern boot camp and Shout out to Dustin Williams for making that work and happen. And it's a very good resource from my understanding. And I'm glad you can kind of vouch for that so the audience can know that's something to look forward to in the future. Did you know you can find and schedule your own clinical rotations? With the Find a Rotation app, students can reach out to preceptors nationwide and schedule their own rotations. You can even refer a friend, earning you credit towards clinical externships of your choosing. Download the free Find a Rotation app or go to findarotation.com for more information. That's Find a Rotation, your medical and healthcare clinical rotations platform. I have to say, I'm kind of curious here with, we're going to get into the match advice process towards the end of this interview. And there's so many questions there that a lot of students really want to know. but. Before we get to that, kind of the fourth year aspect, especially, that's generally when your clinical rotations get to their elective or away rotation aspect. And a lot of students will stay at their home institute if they have the ability to do so. I have no idea what it's like right now. I know a lot of schools have nothing. A lot of schools are kind of doing it normal. But when you're really at the fourth year, you're kind of thinking about what residency you're thinking about going into, or at least maybe two or three options at that point. Obviously, you need to have some experience in that field to know if you're going to like that one or not. What are some tips that students might find beneficial for looking for the rotations? And maybe also if they're looking for a certain specialty, but maybe it's a very competitive one, so they can't get a rotation at their school, like just in general, how to approach that whole situation? Sure. Yeah. So there is a like centralized process that students go through to apply for elective rotations. So that really contains like the bulk of any rotations that you might want to do. Some hospitals like don't go through that program. Of course, I, I can't remember it off the top of my head what exactly it was called, but some hospitals won't go through that. And so you can like go onto the hospital's website and see if they take visiting students or if it's unclear if they take visiting students, just call the office of, it's usually going to be like the office of graduate medical, medical education or something like that, or some kind of like residency program coordinator, that kind of thing. And you can call them and, you know, express your interest and ask if they take away students. Okay. Yeah, I think you're probably talking about the VSAS and VSLO, I yeah. think is the other acronym. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of schools, well, at least a lot of smaller schools and especially foreign schools like mine, don't actually qualify for that system. So we weren't able to use that, which is kind of part of the reason I had to use these third-party agencies and why I came out with Find a Rotation, because the Visiting Student Learning Opportunity System or the Visiting Student's 
was application system, I think is VSAS. It's the same thing, but yeah, that system's great for a lot of people, but it's also really finicky. I've never heard a, a positive review about uh, from physicians that have used it in the past. It's clunky and the data is very outdated often and you have to do all these application fees and then there's no guarantee. And it sounds like a headache if you're trying to do something like that. So I'm glad there are other options that are coming out for that. But I can understand the, I guess, planning that might go into something like that. You need to think of what you want to do. You need to think about what specialty, what location, and obviously do all the different funding application fee aspects anyway that go into that. And then, okay, you solidify rotation. You found one in the specialty you're looking for. What are some things besides obviously travel and housing that you're going to have to consider that might make that rotation very beneficial for you as far as residency goes? So, you know, some of these rotations can kind of serve as like audition rotations, right? So you put your very best foot forward for the month, really show off your stuff, show that you're a team player, you know, and then that reflects well on you when you end up submitting your applications. And then ideally, you know, they say, oh, yeah, I remember him he, or I remember her. They were great. So let's interview them. And then you, again, put your best foot forward to perform well on the interview. And, you know, presuming that those things go well, you're likely to match highly at that place. Now, of course, it can also cut both ways, right? Like, let's say you have a bad day and something bad happens while you're on the rotation. It can really shoot you in the foot, too. So it just kind of depends on your personality. Like if you're the kind of person, which, you know, most people who, who go to medical school are, you know, you're confident in who you are, confident that you can perform well over the course of the month, then absolutely go for it. Alternatively, you know, if you're not 100% sure, you could try doing an away rotation at another program that you're not as interested in you know, as like a dry run and then really go for it when you're going to the program that you're really interested in. Another idea could be to like look up some of the doctors that actually work at the institution, like in case they express interest in anything that you're interested in. Like, let's say they have, you know, research in some disease process that you're particularly interested in. You know, you could look them up and then request to work with those doctors. That's certainly a very proactive thing that you could do in preparation for an away rotation. Yeah, there's a lot of concerns there that you need to kind of weigh. And I just know from personal experience, I had a rotation, for instance, one time where the preceptor left a bunch of documents out visible to the patients and then got mad at me for not putting them away when I hadn't touched them. So that's probably a very minute situation right there that you're not going to run into. But yes, doing some research about the preceptor, the physician beforehand, kind of figuring out what they're into might find a better commonality there that you can explore for letters of recommendation, for networking if you want to potentially rotate in that hospital or that state later on. So I think there's a lot of valuable information there just getting to know your preceptor and kind of something we've discussed in so many past episodes is, you know, discussing the expectations of what they want from you there. 
is some are going to want you to be more hands-on and more clinical. Some are going to want you to do some of their grunt work. And just knowing that going in is going to make the rotation so much smoother. The other thing I will say, like, depending on the field that you're going into, like, you don't always have to do an away rotation. And, you know, students have probably heard this from their upperclassmen before, but like, for an area like most of the primary care specialties, in general, you don't necessarily need to do an away rotation for most programs. However, in some of the more like highly selective areas, something like orthopedic surgery, right? Orthopedic surgeons want to see how you perform when you're in the setting of orthopedic surgery. They don't care, you know, about your general medicine rotations. And so in that area, you definitely want to make sure that you get experience doing that. For the areas where, you know, you've already done rotations in that specialty, it's probably not as important to do the away rotation. Gotcha. Yeah, it is going to depend on the specialty. They're all quite a bit different. And, you know, navigating that process is sometimes very difficult for students. All right. So we have like dozens of more topics to discuss. We're obviously going to have to make this a two, if not three parter. But I do want to ask one more question before we end this segment of the episode. And that's just kind of the work-life balance. Like, how do you manage your life while you're working 40 plus hours? And, you know, often you're studying this too, whether it be clinical rotations or residency. You know, let's stay with clinical rotations right now. You're working almost full time usually, and you're studying for the board exams, let's say, and maybe you have life stuff going on. Maybe you have a family. How do you navigate that? And also at the same time, kind of plan for residency, which you might not be that familiar with the process. Sure. Yeah. So in throughout my third and fourth year, when I was doing rotations, I sort of picked what was the most important thing to me or what were the most important things to me outside of my medicine career that I'm working on. And the number one for me was spending time with my wife. So like we decided that every Friday nights, or, you know, if it couldn't be Friday the next day, without fail, we would go on a date together and we would set aside that time, make sure that we honored that time and make sure that we, you know, continue to work on our relationship. Right. So that's one way to bring balance is to just without fail, make a commitment to doing something every week. As far as getting in your studying time, to be honest, it can be hard to do that while you're like on the clock, you know, while you're doing the rotation and trying to pay attention to the rotation. It can just be hard to get your brain back into study mode, you know, especially when you were used to studying and all you were doing was studying, you know, had your face in the books all day, every day. It can be hard to switch back and forth. And it's unfortunate that I have to say this, but you just kind of need to put your nose to the grindstone and like commit to, you know, setting aside whatever 30 minutes or an hour a day to do some kind of reading in an area that either interests you or is directly related to your patients or both. That was really the only way that I found worked successfully was just making a commitment to myself to put aside 
you know, 30 minutes to an hour every single day to do that. And then on the weekends, I would read a little bit more. 30 to 60 minutes, that's it. Right. Most students would go insane if they're not studying at least six hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can feel like that, especially after you've taken step one and you're like, oh my God, this is all I do every single day. How do I talk to people? <laughs> all right. I think this has been a great conversation so far. We haven't even gotten into like the residency stuff yet, but that's going to have to be for the next episode. We're going to cover like the first day. How do you prepare for it? What do you do when you first get in the hospital and just a bunch of other things to consider in your intern year in general. So I want to thank you first off, Greg Rudd, for coming on the show today, and we will have you back very soon. Thanks a bunch. The Rounds to Residency podcast is powered by Med School Coach. To access Med School Coach services, like USMLE tutoring or residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.